Well, um, let me be the first one to say to you, uh, Merry Christmas. I know it's kind of soon. Normally we have a weekend between Thanksgiving and the first Sunday in Advent, but uh, once in a while it turns out this way. And so we begin the Christmas season today. And we're beginning a brand new series entitled, What is Christmas? And that's a question that we have to ask ourselves every year. And we have to say, well, is Christmas about religion? And in part, it is, of course. Um, Is it a cultural holiday? Well, certainly it's that. Is it a goodwill toward men? Um, Well, not if you've been to Black Friday. But if, um, if, if you're a child, if you're someone who fancies Christmas like I do, the traditions, uh, you just love this time of year. So our desire this month is to answer the question, what is Christmas? Uh, each Sunday and right up to Christmas Eve. And um, I trust that you will uh, really appreciate and enjoy what God has to say about that. So um, today we are talking about answering the question, what is Christmas, by saying Christmas is good news. And we all want to hear good news. Well, there was a man who lived. He and his wife had been married for 40 years. They lived together alone. Their kids were grown up. And uh, he called his son about a week before Christmas. And he got his grown son on the phone and he said, Son, I've got some bad news for you. I just wanted to share with you. And uh, the son said, Well, what's that? He said, Well, your mom and I, after 40 years, uh, we're going to get a divorce. And he said, well, that's terrible news. How can you possibly do that? You guys have been married for 40 years. You've been happy and you've raised kids and we're grown now. And it's just not right. And he's just kind of yelling at his dad. And his dad said, I'm sorry, but your mother drives me nuts. And, you know, we're going we're gonna to end it. So we're getting a divorce. So the father hung up the phone. The son hung up the phone very angry. He immediately dialed his sister's phone uh, who was in another state. And he talked to his adult sister and he said, uh, you can't believe it, but mom and dad are getting a divorce. And she screamed. She said, that's not possible. They've been happy all these years. That's crazy. We've got to do something. And so the two of them, they made a plan. And they thought they would do something to make this not happen. And so they made a plan. And then the son called his dad back and he said, dad, don't do anything. I don't want you and mom to do anything. I don't want you to talk. I don't want you to do anything. Your, your daughter and I, were coming out there, and we're going to talk you out of this, and, but don't do a thing until we get there. And so the dad hung up the phone, and immediately he yelled to his wife. He said, honey, I've got some good news. And they're coming on their own nickel. Um, <laughs> that's good news. You know, those of us that have grown kids, you know, we never see them unless we send them money for the... But that is good news. And how about good news for you? What is Christmas to you? I mean, others often were disillusioned because of the cranky kids and the swollen debt and the leftover fruitcake that is destined to be regifted in 2014. This year, I would like you to agree with me to do Christmas differently. It's not too late. Today's December 1st, so it's our very first day of December. Let's agree together to make Christmas better, shall we? I think that's something that we can all agree on. And um, the goal of this series is, over the next few weeks, to make a better December, a better than ever before. I mean, we have the opportunity right now at the beginning, before we've spent our money on gifts and, and, and marked up our calendar too much, we have choices. Uh, choices what to do with our time, what to do with our money, 
what to do uh, with the different activities during the holiday season. And so that's what we want to talk about today. How can we share the good news? This first choice that we have is, I think, the most important choice, and that's simply to declare and to believe ourselves that it's time to share the good news. And that's kind of the big idea for this sermon today, that it's time to share the good news. Now, we learned in our last series from Paul's words in 2 Corinthians, uh, we learned that um, we are, remember, reconciled, we're redeemed, um, uh, and we're also um, uh, ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We talked about that for a couple of weeks. And the idea that as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, that we are the highest ranking dignitaries from heaven, sent by God to earth with the good news of the reconciliation that God has given to us through Jesus Christ. That we can literally be reconciled to God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that's the good news that we, as God's ambassadors, have been given to take to this earth and to share it with everybody that we know. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. And this first choice that we have is to literally share this good news because we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Now, when we do that, we're literally, in a positive way, we're infecting the world with joy. We're infecting the world with peace. We're infecting the world with the presence of Jesus. That's what Christmas is all about. And one of the more intriguing stories in the annals of medicine is the search for Mary Mallon. Some of you have heard this story before. Um, Mary Mallon is better known as anybody? Typhoid. typhoid fever, that's correct. Mary contracted a low-level infection of the typhus bacteria and was a carrier of the dread typhoid fever. Seven epidemics were linked to Mary Mallon beginning in 1906. The story has a detective in it, as you would expect, a sanitary engineer by the name of George Soper, who worked for the New York City Department of Health. And he investigated an outbreak of an epidemic at Oyster Bay, New York. And he conduct, concluded that the sudden outbreak of this illness had to have been caused by human carrier. After painstaking detective work, he traced to a place in Oyster Bay to a cook by the name of Mary Mallon. And when he started to confront her, she just simply vanished. She disappeared. Her name was Mary Mallon, and George Soper continued to search for her all over New York City, finally discovering her in the Park Avenue section of the city. Going door to door, he eventually found her and explained that he just wanted to run some tests. He wasn't accusing her of anything, just wanted to run some tests. And she reacted by coming after him with a butcher knife, okay? This is not a Hallmark movie. In fact, they should make this movie. This is really good. So she disappeared again, just vanished in thin air. Later, an epidemic of typhoid fever broke out in the Sloan Hospital. 25 doctors and nurses were stricken simultaneously. George Soper discovered that a cook by the name of Mary Brown had left suddenly when someone jokingly called her Typhoid Mary. The police finally found her. They hospitalized her in 1915, nine years after the original outbreak. 
And then she, there she was put in quarantine and kept in quarantine until her death in 1938. Upon doing an autopsy, they discovered that indeed she was a carrier of the dread disease, typhoid fever. In another time and in another place, there was another Mary, another carrier, the mother of Jesus. Whereas typhoid Mary was a carrier of death, Mary of Nazareth was a carrier of life. And this is the good news. The good news of what we called a few years ago, I did a sermon called the Mary Miracle. The good news is this, that Christ was in Mary, but hear this, Christ is in you. And Christ is, takes birth in you and grows in you and comes forth from you and changes the world around you. That's the Mary Miracle. And the very thing that Mary experienced herself giving birth to this baby, we give birth to the life of Christ within us by sharing that good news with people all around us. This is the good news of being a carrier of Christmas. Not a carrier of death, but a carrier of life. A miracle. Christ in you, the hope of glory. In the Italian play entitled Burnt Flowers, one character speaks these words. Everyone has inside himself a message. Everyone has inside himself a message. Well, I would go a step further than that. Those who belong to Jesus, those who are Christ followers, every one of you has within him the message of Jesus Christ because you have Jesus within you. And that message can be shared with other people. It's time to be a carrier of life, a carrier of Jesus an ambassador, one who is the highest ranking dignitary authorized by God from heaven to earth to carry the good news of the reconciling message of Jesus Christ. It's in you, and it's time to share that good news. Now, when we infect the world with that good news, we're not doing something in a vacuum. It's something that's been doing, being done for 2,000 years. In the original Christmas story, and we heard Linus introduce part of that story earlier today, here's what it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. An angel said to them, the shepherds that were out in the field, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. So the shepherds saw this, uh, this the, the star, they saw the angels, and they said, okay, we're going to go and see this baby. And then Luke 2.17 says this, When they had seen him, Jesus, they spread the, words, the, spread the word concerning what they had seen about this child. Now that's it. The shepherds heard about the incident. They went and saw the incident. And then they embraced the incident and took that incident and told other people about it. That's what the Christmas message is all about. It's hearing about it. Believing it, receiving it, and then taking it to others who do not know the good news of Jesus Christ. Someone told us, we checked it out, we believed it, and we tell others. I mean, who wouldn't want to share good news? Who wouldn't want to share good news? So this morning, I would like to share with you three things you can do this December, this, this month, to be a carrier of the good news. I know we all want to be that. Let's be that together, to be carriers of the good news. The first thing we do is this. If I want to tell the good news, 
I must enjoy it myself. I'm not going to share news, at least I shouldn't, that is not good news. I mean, we have enough of that on the news and the radio and the newspapers and all of that. But the angel said to the shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy. Now, here's the question we want to look at. How do you go from good news to great joy? I mean, we all know good news, and you hear about somebody that had good fortune, you say, that's good news. So here's the difference between good news and great joy. If you read in the paper or you know someone, does anybody know anyone uh, that has ever won the, the lottery? Okay, really? Really? Was it, was it you? Because if it was, I won't expect a tithe check, you know. Okay? Okay. <laughs> wasn't Brad and Betsy, okay? But they know someone. So when you hear of someone that has won the lottery, what? You say, that's good news. But if you win the lottery... <laughs> That just switched over to a whole different category, didn't it? That's great joy. You hear of somebody that uh, was healed of cancer or their cancer went in remission, that's good news. But if you experience remission from cancer or indeed even being healed from cancer, that's great joy. Because when you personalize the good news and it becomes alive in you, that's when it becomes great joy. So here's the good news for you. The good news is this. Jesus came to the earth as a baby he grew up to be a man. He was anointed by John the Baptist to proclaim the good news of Christ. The Heavenly Father filled him with his spirit. And Jesus went and proclaimed the good news. Three years later, he went to the cross. He died. And the Bible says that he literally took upon himself all of your sins, all of your brokenness, all of your pain. He took all of that on himself. That's the wonderful exchange. And in place of that, he gave you his grace, his peace, his forgiveness. He gave you keys to the kingdom. He gave you the ability to go and to live with God forever in heaven. All of that is the good news of Jesus Christ. And that good news is in you. It's in you. It's a beautiful, amazing thing. So when you experience the good news for yourself, it goes from being just good news to amazing. You mean my sins are forgiven? You mean when I die and leave this planet... I'm going to spend eternity with God forever? That's not good news. That's great joy. So a couple of weeks ago, um, a woman uh, uh, was looking online for a new church. And she looked at our website and she liked kind of the things we believe. She listened to a few messages. And she said, I think I'm going to try that church out. But before I do, I want to talk to the pastor. So she made an appointment with me. We had a, a nice meeting. And we were talking about this, and about halfway through the conversation, I asked her about, to describe to me her, um, you know, her kind of her faith journey. Um, do you know Christ? Have you experienced Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And so when I asked this kind of question, I really listened carefully for the answer. The answer is something like this, and you've heard this before. Well, I grew up in church, and um, I, I believe I'm a good person, and I believe in God, and uh, I don't go to church much anymore, but, uh, you know, I still believe in God, and I try to be a good person, and I try to help people. And when they start describing things that they do, <laughs> I know that they don't really understand that being a Christian is not things you do, it's something that's already been 
done for you. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. So it's not about what we do, it's about what Christ has done for us. And so when she was done, I explained to her that very thing, that religion is about doing, Christianity is recognizing that Jesus has already paid the price for our sins. And so I explained that to her, and I shared with her from scriptures, and I said, would you like to, to accept, accept this gift of eternal life? Well, yes. I mean, I've always heard about uh, about this thing, the idea of the being born again. I've heard, always heard about it, but I've never known what it was about. And so right there in my office, she prayed to receive Christ, and it was beautiful when we were done. There's this big smile on our face. And I said to her, because I'd, I was preparing the sermon two weeks ago, I said to her, I said, you just went from good news to great joy. You just crossed from good news, which is good for everybody, to great joy because you've experienced it yourself. Christmas is great joy. The great joy of the life that we have in Jesus Christ, that we are forgiven. All the wrong things we have done, we are forgiven. That God wants us to give us this gift of eternal life through His Son, Jesus Christ. That is an amazing promise, an amazing gift. In the book of Psalms, Psalm 107, verse 2, we read these words. All of you set free by God, tell the world. All of you set free by God, tell the world. How can you not? If you're a prisoner and somebody pays your debt, they pay all the money you owe or they pay for your sin or whatever, if you're, how, how can you be anything but filled with joy and praise and thanksgiving for the person who set you free? When you pass from death to life, when you pass from debt to freedom, when you pass from bondage to being set free, how can you be anything except filled with joy and thanksgiving? And more than good news, it's great joy. All of you set free by God, tell the world. A generation ago, there was a very famous, I don't even know if she's still alive or not, a very famous opera star, Beverly Sills. Is she still alive? Anybody know? Okay, she's passed away. But Beverly Sills, when I was a kid, my mom used to love to listen to her records, her opera. And, uh, and somebody asked Beverly Sills one time, how is it that you sing so magnificently? And she said, well, I just fill up my heart, my soul, and my lungs with, with music until it just spills out of me. Well, that's a Christian who has gone from good news to great joy. You are so filled up with the good news that your sins have been forgiven. You've been set free. You're no longer in bondage. That one day you will have eternity with God. You're so filled with that beautiful, godly message, it simply spills out of you. If you want to tell the good news, we've got to enjoy it ourselves. If you really grasp who you are in Christ, remember we talked about that whole last series, when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. When you know who you are, your life will be radiant because you've recognized that the greatest gift imaginable is the gift of Jesus Christ. And this Thanksgiving just literally spills out of you. Uh, Philippians 4.4 4 says it this way, Be full of joy in the Lord always. I will say it again, be full of joy. Knowing the good news brings happiness. Experiencing the good news brings joy. Now, I'm a, I'm a traditionalist in a lot of ways. I mean, I, you know, I love, uh, Friday we decorated our house. And uh, when the crosses decorate for Christmas, they, they do it big time. And so we've got trees and we've got 
decorations. I did the outside. All of this stuff is going. So I, I, I love that stuff. And I love tradition. I love Christmas music, you know, like Bing Crosby. And, and, uh, and, I, and I love cookies. And I love the presents and giving gifts to our kids and all of those. So, I, so all those things are really good. And for me, all of those things really are good news. But I'll tell you, the great joy that I experience is knowing Jesus. And knowing that all of these things are superfluous, all of these things are background noise compared to the overwhelming good news of Jesus who died for my sins and granted me redemption, reconciliation, and a brand new life. That's great joy. So that's the first thing. We can be a carrier of Christmas when we experience good news as great joy. The second thing is this. I must make time to tell the good news. It's not enough just to say, I'm going to tell the good news. I've got to make time to tell the good news. Galatians 4.4 says this. When the right time came, that's the right time, the exact perfect moment. When the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman. When the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman. Jesus was not early, nor was he late. He came at exactly the right time in history to be the redeemer of past present and future. People that live before him, people that live during his day, and people that live, live today. The redeemer of all mankind. The lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. The one whose blood was shed that you and I might have our sins forgiven. So in order to experience that, to love that, to rejoice in that, Christ came at this specific time that he came. So Christmas is a wonderful time to share our faith. But in order to do that, we have to make margins. I mean, we just, we just don't have margins at Christmas. I mean, think about that. Look what Jesus did when he came into the world for us. Jesus said, one of the gifts I bring to you is found in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Here's one of the gifts I'm bringing to you. Listen to this. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Those of you that want black to... Okay? Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So one of the great gifts that God wants to give his children is the thing that we need the most at Christmas time and the thing that we embrace the least. And the reason is we don't have any time margins. We don't even have any time to rest. So, I mean, just think about it. It's kind of crazy. During one month of the year, during one month of the year, we go to more parties than we do all the rest, <coughs> excuse me, allergies, all of the rest of the year. We go to more parties on average than we do the rest of the year. I mean, that's just crazy. And for all those parties, we, not we, but Sherry, bakes something to take to all of those parties, right? That's crazy. And then in addition to that, uh, if that's not enough, we think of everybody in the history of our lives that we've ever known. And Sherry and I have served four churches, so we know thousands of people. We think of every person we've ever known, and we feel incumbent upon ourselves to send them a letter. Okay, now we don't, we don't even think of these people the rest of the time. But at Christmas, people you couldn't pick out in a lineup, Bruce, you know, those are the people that we send Christmas cards to. And then we send them a letter about all the things that we've done that they could care less about. In fact, it just makes them feel guilty because they haven't done the fun stuff we've done. And so we think we're supposed to do And on top of that, we decide all the people that we love and the people that might possibly give us a gift, and we give them a gift. Something that costs $19.95 that they will look at, say thank you for, and put in a drawer and never see again. This is craziness. 
On top of that, the kids are out of school for two weeks, right? And so we create stress and we create busyness and we create tiredness. Whatever happened to come all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. If I'm going to have time for the good news to share it, I've got to make time. So here's what my suggestion is. Red is a great Christmas color, right? Red and green are the best Christmas colors. And red is a good Christmas color. So here's what I'm suggesting. You get out a red pencil or a red pen and do some work on your calendars, okay? Cross some things off. Decide not to do as many things if you've done other times. Don't go to as many parties as you have in the past. And just kind of start checking some things off because once you do, you'll start making margins for Christ and the message of Christ to be given to other people. But we have to make margins. So there's, I mean, Sherry and I, we're just like you. We get caught up in all the crazy too. But one thing we do really well during Advent is we do Advent devotion. So we have a, a creche. It's not nearly as spectacular as this, by the way. When you see her, say thanks to Gloria Tonkinson for making this. Um, we have a creche in our living room, a little one, and four candles in the Christ candle in the center. And each Sunday, first Sunday in Advent is today, we light a candle. And then we have Advent devotions. We've got lots of books that have Advent devotions. We um, sing a song. Uh, we pray, we talk about Christmas, and we just make that really special and very unique. So what we've done is we've said, in the midst of all of the football games, and there are many, and they are blessed, in the midst of all of that, in the midst of all the parties, we say, okay, no, this time matters, and we're going to make time for Christ and for the good news. We have to make time. So there's Advent devotions. Now, let me give you some other ideas. Um, how many of you have heard of the Advent conspiracy? Okay, some of you have. The Advent conspiracy is an amazing kind of movement that started about 10 years ago in a church in Oregon. And a couple years ago, I preached about this, but I just want to remind you that there's lots of information on the internet. Look up Advent conspiracy. Pastor Ryan put an article on our website uh, the Hope website about Advent Conspiracy. And you can go there and get lots of suggestions to bring Christ back into Christmas. Again, I love the tradition. I love the Christmas trees. And I love all of those things. But I want to make sure that I put Christ smack dab in, in the middle of my heart and my Christmas. So the Advent Conspiracy will help you to do that. To discover ways that you can uh, put Christ in the center of what you do. So if we are to be carriers of Christmas, we have to enjoy the good news. We have to make time for the good news, having margins. And the last thing we have to do, we can't just make time, we have to plan to tell the good news. So we have to enjoy it, we have to make room for it, and then we have to plan for the good news. So if I'm going to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus, I must plan to share the good news. Because if I don't, I won't, right? We've got to intentionally plan for it. Um, uh, a couple of years ago, I think it was a couple of years ago, uh, Michelle, you were praying for your grandpa before your grandpa passed away. Remember that? It was around Advent. And Michelle started praying for an opportunity to share Christ with her grandfather, who was not a believer. And so she prayed about that. And be very, by the way, be very careful. If, 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 if you don't want to have opportunities to share your faith, don't pray that prayer because God will give you opportunities. God's waiting for you. Remember, don't forget who you are. You're an ambassador. Highest ranking dignitary. 
sent from heaven to earth with the good news of reconciliation. And when you recognize who you are, you'll know what to do, okay? So we know that about being ambassadors. So Michelle prayed for an opportunity, and sure enough, she got an opportunity, and she was able to share her faith. She doesn't know for sure if, that, if he embraced that. Of course, she hopes that he did before he passed away. But the fact is, she prayed about it. And she said, I'm intentional about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. I wonder how many of you do that, especially during this time of year. Lord, give me an opportunity to share my faith, to share Jesus with a neighbor or a coworker or someone that I know at school. Give me an opportunity to share. We've got to make that plan. We've got to plan in advance to do that. Now, that's not just us. This happened at the first Christmas as well, right? In Luke 2.15, we read these words. When angels had left them after announcing good news of great joy, so the angels announced to the shepherds, they're gone, okay? The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened the Lord has told us about. They said, we, we've got to go and see this. I mean, they made a plan. They could have said, you know, it was really cool. Angels came and talked to us. We've got stories to tell our grandkids now, right? Because angels came and talked to us. We saw this amazing light. Angels came... That's good enough. They said, nope, if we're going to share that, we've got to make a plan. We're going to literally go and go to that place and tell the story of what happened. They made a plan. Could have said angels and lights, all cool, but back, or back to their flock, but instead it was inconvenient, obviously. It was expensive. They might have missed the baby, but we had to go and declare the good news. Mark 6, 16, 15, we read these words. Jesus said to his followers, Go everywhere. Go everywhere in the world and tell them the good news to everyone. Now, some of us, Brandon shared this last Sunday, some of us are called to be missionaries. And those of us who are not called to be missionaries are called to be missionary supporters. Okay, that's our job. And we, so we know that. But we also know that our world, when it says go and share the world, we say, well, I can't do that. I can't do that everywhere. Well, what it means is your world, your sphere of influence, your neighborhood, your family, your co-workers, uh, your people that you know, your enemies, you know, your world, you go and share the good news of Christ with them. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, being bullhorn guy or having a Jesus doll on your, in your house or something weird like that. No, I'm talking about literally being prepared to share the good news of God's love with other people. You say, well, Pastor Dwayne, that sounds good, but I really don't know how to do that. And so here's what I'd like to do as we close this morning. I want to give you six ways you can share the good news of Christ in your world. Okay? In your, bullet, in your sermon notes, you've got uh, places to write these things down. Some of you that were high achievers, went to Catholic school, sat in the front row, you'll memorize these. But everybody else, you can write these down. Okay, six ways you can share the good news of Christ, that good news that's already within you. Six ways. The first way is to pray, like Michelle did a couple of years ago. You pray, for you, and you make a list. Lord, I'm going to pray for this person and this person and this person. This is part of the Advent conspiracy. Lord, I'm going to pray that you would give me an opportunity to share my faith with my dad, who doesn't know Christ, with my son-in-law, with my friend, my neighbor, uh, with the person I work with. Lord, I'm, and believe me, when you pray this prayer, be ready. God will give you opportunities. It's amazing how many opportunities God will give you when you open your heart and simply pray, Lord Jesus, during the month of December, help me to have opportunities, maybe even every day, to share the good news of Christ's love in my life. 
The second thing I want you to do is to read. I've been telling you this for weeks. I'll say it again. Read your Bibles, okay? It's amazing. There's no book like it in the world. There never has been. There never will be. It is God-breathed. It is God's Word literally breathed into it. So it's alive. It's Christ in the flesh. It's Christ in written form. So read your Bibles, okay? But go beyond that. Um, do the Advent Challenge. Again, there's very great ideas about sections of Scripture to read during December. Let's say you're a new believer or maybe you're not even a convinced person yet. You don't know for sure whether or not God is real. Let me give you a challenge. Take Luke chapter 2. That's what Linus introduced us to. Luke chapter 2. And during the month of December, read that. Read it every day. It'll take you two and a half minutes to read it. Read Luke chapter 2 every day and see what happens when the Word of God gets inside of you. I'll also say if you're a brand new Christian or if you've been a Christian for a long time but you've never had the discipline of a personal time with the Lord, I would challenge you during the month of December to make this a new discipline. Read the Bible every day, maybe five minutes, maybe three minutes, but read the Bible every day and maybe start with the Gospel of Luke and read through that. So that's a challenge to each of you. With your, if you have children, be sure and read. I know it's great to read all the kids' stories. There's thousands of kids' stories. But read them the story of Jesus in Luke chapter 2. Read it over and over again. When I was a kid, you know, we, just like everybody, you know, we were raised in America in the 50s. And when I was a kid, we got up and the tree was dazzling and the gifts were out and the pie was made and it was awesome. And my dad used to always say, first things first. He used to, that's what he, he'd always say that on Christmas. First things first, we knew exactly what that meant. Gather around. We didn't have a fireplace. We had a space heater. Gather around the space heater. My dad opens his big King James Bible and he reads Luke chapter 2 very slowly. Come on, dad, pick it up. And he'd read the story and then we'd pray and we'd thank God and all that, all while we're anxiously. But that was a, just a ministry to me as a kid that this is what matters. So we do that to this day. Before we open any gifts on Christmas morning, we read Luke chapter 2. But read your Bible, the Advent Challenge. Read books to your children. Read The Case for Christmas. Read, uh, someone on the way out of first service said, I've got a stack of Max, I said in the first service, and I'll say it again, read Max Lucado books. Any one of the set thousand that he's written. They're all good. Most of them are about Christmas. And on the way out, one gal said, I've got a stack of Max Lucado books at home I've never read. I'm going to go home and read them. Okay, so she took the Advent Challenge. So pray, read. Third thing, serve. Some of you are awesome at this. Yesterday I was at church um, in the morning and there was probably 30 people here. Uh, 20 of them were in here decorating this sanctuary for you. They did it for you. They didn't do it for themselves. Most of them hadn't even done their home, homes yet. But they did it for you. They did it for us. And it's beautiful. It's simple. It's beautiful. And it took a lot of work. And so they were here serving you. We had some guys over in the youth room finishing up the youth room. By the way, if you haven't seen the senior high room, go and see it after service. It's brand, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's brand new, it's shiny. I think I'm going to move my office in there. It's, so, it's very cool, okay? Much cooler than I am, but go and check that. But people are here serving you. Every Sunday, every Sunday, about between 40 and 60 people, depending on the, on the Sunday, between 40 and 60 people serve you on Sunday by singing doing PowerPoint lights, teaching children, teaching adults, greeters, ushers, coffee makers, cookie bakers. I mean, you can't imagine the number of people that it goes into making this 75 minutes happen for you. 
So figure out a way to serve. When you know when Christ in you is just kind of bubbling over with joy, joy, figure out how to serve. Serve your church. Serve a neighbor. Take a neighbor a plate of cookies. But do something to serve. We're going to serve Christmas to the homeless again on Christmas morning. You can plan on doing that. The, the fourth thing is this. Invite. Okay, invite. You've heard this time and time again from me. Invest and invite. Invest in the lives of people that do not know Jesus. Invest in their lives. Become their friends. Genuinely befriend them. Genuinely pour your life into them. Genuinely love them. And then you pray for them. And when the time is appropriate, you either share your story or you invite them to church. So here's an opportunity for you. Every year, we have two times in our church calendar when more people come to Christ than any other time. One, as you would expect, is on Easter. This year we'll be back at Tumbleweed Park and there'll be scores of people that give their heart to Christ on Easter morning. The other morning, or the other service where we have a lot of people come to Christ is you know what it is, it's Christmas Eve. We have two packed services at five and seven o'clock on Christmas Eve and there'll be a lot of people here. In fact, there will be probably be more people here than there are members and regular attenders of our church. In other words, there'll be more non-church attenders than there will be you. And here's where those people come from. They come from you. Yeah, a few will wander in because of the website. A few will wander in because of our signage. A few will wander in, for the, but most of them will come here because you invited them. Now imagine this. Let's say that you invite someone, a neighbor, a friend, a co-worker, someone you meet at the bagel shop, just someone. And you invite them. Next week, we're going to start giving you invite cards. So you have invite cards to say, come to join me for Christmas Eve. You can pass them out. And let's say that person comes to church on Christmas Eve. And let's say God, the Spirit, does a work in that person's life. And they're prepared and they're ready. The soil is, is fallow and everything's good. And, and that person says yes to God and they receive Christ. Can you imagine the joy that you will have as a Christ follower to know that you participated with God to reach one more person for Jesus Christ? That's your job. Invite. Invite someone to Christmas Eve service and see what God will do. The fifth thing you can do uh, when you recognize the joy that is in you, if Christmas joy, is to give. To give. Of course, give your time. We're talking about specifically, we just finished uh, uh, talking about giving a few weeks ago, uh, what it means to give uh, sacrificially and joyfully of our money right? And we know that money is a very big thing for us because we feel somehow that we've earned it, you know, instead of recognizing that God has given us the ability to earn it. We so we want to give. And so we talked to you a few weeks ago about giving that extra gift to your church family. We need you to give generously during December to finish our year in the black and to be updated on our momentum for ministry and all of the obligations and everything. And you're very faithful. You're very generous. But we need you to dig deep to help us with that. We need you to dig deep when it comes to uh, giving joyfully, sacrificially, not only to the church, but to missions. And to maybe a neighbor that doesn't have anything. Maybe helping somebody with groceries, somebody with food, something with a, somebody with an electric bill. We need to be, be giving people, people that give generously because God has been generous to us. And the last thing you can do uh, when you recognize that you're a carrier of Christmas is to share, to share your story what God has done in your life. And again, you don't have to be glib. You don't have to be uh, just rehearsed. You don't have to be any of that. You simply say, you know what? Once I was blind, now I see. 
Once my heart was dark, now my heart is filled with light. I gave my heart to Jesus and I experience his joy and his peace every day of my life. You share the transforming power of a changed life with somebody. And don't try and sell it. Just tell it. December, different. You want to make this Christmas different like I do? Enjoy the good news of the message that is within you. Make time to share the good news of Christ. Make plans to share the good news of Christ. You are the ambassador of Jesus Christ. You are a carrier of Christmas. You have Christ in you. And we pray that you would allow that Christ to be seen in the world around you. Would you bow your heads with me, please?